Is Can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah, I can hear you all right. You got me? Yeah, I got you, brother. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Wild Wild Hideaway with me and Bob. And, of course, my brother from across the pond, David Brexpeer. Uh, I spelled your name wrong last time <laughs> that I put it up. <laughs> but uh, our other host, uh, Rob Alo Jr., uh, Boston Rob, uh, couldn't be here today. He, uh, he's having a hell of a day. He's having some car trouble, so. Me and David are going at it alone. We were going to do Carlo Gambino today, but that's going to wait until uh, Rob can be part of the mix. So uh, we're kind of just firing from the hip. And uh, David, what are we going to talk about today? Um, well, I, I think I've, I, I mentioned it on the last show. That um, I'll and hi everyone. I forgot to say hello to everyone. Um, obviously, <laughs> big shout outs for everyone at nationalcrimesyndicate.com. Um, our thing. Don't forget our thing. <laughs> uh, forget, forget, um, all the groups on Facebook as well. Big shout outs for everybody. And of course, the Mog King, Ciro DiPaggio. Big yep. shout out to Ciro uh, doing no good things out in Spain, along with George Christie. So, yeah, some big shout outs there. But um, no, things are really good. As I say, I think um, I was sort of hinting towards the facts about having some good news. Um, and it's come through. I'm going to be. Uh, included in a anthology of true crime stories um, that are being edited and pub well edited by Mitzi Zaretto um, over in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Big happen. Uh, Big happen. Yeah, it's something that um, I, I've kind of wanted to achieve for a long time. So, um, or to to at least have something published that gives me a. Um, a kind of a destination to what I've been doing, if that makes sense. But um, no, yeah, yeah a place to come home, man. A place to come home. That's why. That's why I want my name on a bunch of novels uh, sitting on somebody's shelf, the same way that all these guys like Scott M. Bernstein and you know Doctors A. Michael Miata and you know all those guys that slew and robbed all the way. All those guys sit on my bookshelf. So I feel you. Yeah, a place to come home. Congratulations, by the way, brother. Uh, I didn't get to tell you publicly. Yeah. No, exactly. And and the thing is as well, it's. Um, uh, one of my idols, I suppose you mentioned uh, Dr. Joe Michael Nyota, one of my idols as well is, is Christian Cipollini. And he was in the previous one, which was um, the best new true crime story, serial killers. I mean, the be- what I can do, I mean, the best thing to do is if I drop in Mitzi's website, which is MitziZaretto.com. And Mitzi Zaretto mm-hmm. is spelled M-I-T-Z-I-S. Z E R E T O. That's MitziZaretto.com. I mean, she's an absolute awesome lady as well as being a fantastic editor. And she's got a number of her own books as well that are there on her website. And I'd I'd recommend her books to anybody. They're fantastic. And these these new set of new try uh, new true crime stories she's got coming out um, really do kind of open your eyes, if you like, to the sort of um, lesser known crimes around the world. Um, and she gets a selection of authors from around the world as well. So people are treated from stories not just from their own neighbourhood, but from from countries they may not have even heard of. It's, um, there's some incredible right. stuff in there. Right, gangsters never even heard of. Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds like an amazing project, man. Like I said, I'm uh, I'm really pumped for you. Before we go too deep down the rabbit hole, I do got to give an extra special shout out for all my Detroit listeners out there. If uh, if your vehicle's in need of any servicing, or you just you know maybe you want to customize your whip or what have you, and you're in the Metro Detroit area, I mean hell, even the St. Clair Stores area, look at my people over at uh, Three Nine Two Brothers Mobile Mechanics. That's Three Nine Two Brothers with a Z Mobile Mechanics. Uh, 
the the service is limited because I mean they're they're an up and coming company. Uh, they're a startup company, and uh, I fucks with them. I fucks with them really hard. So, but they uh they'll give you a free quote. And I mean, it's pretty much whatever you need: food, glued, welded, you know, riveted to that car of yours. I mean, my my people over there can do it. Uh, you can get a hold of them at three one three nine seven four two 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 two. And all you gotta do is ask for Alex and uh, tell him the hideaway sent you. He'll get a big kick out of that. Uh, so. Big shout out to those guys over there holding it down and uh, continue continue on, David. I just had to get that one out. Like I said, what else isn't is it? I mean, isn't that the point of why we do what we do to celebrate everyone's talent to promote to promote others that are, are successful, but also people that are trying to be successful as well. Um, exactly. I think that's yeah. the whole. Yep. I think that's the whole point of these podcasts and um, of, of social media. I mean. If it wasn't for social media and through LinkedIn, that was where I saw the writer's call for submissions for Mitzi. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I went for it. So, um, and, and it paid off. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be a published author next year. So, um, really in a are. book. You really are a media guru, my man. You, I mean, you really are. Like, you come and go off of them. Like, you, you get into them real hard and then you just, you don't fuck with them. You're gone. You ghost them. But, like, like Facebook, he came in and he just fucking dominated, took over, was into every fucking group, every fucking page, every fucking, he was just a promoter for everything, boom. Then you got sick of Facebook, you're like, ah, onto the next one. You go to Twitter, do the same fucking thing. And then you're like, ah, fuck Twitter. I'm not, have, I mean, have you taken over Instagram or like Pinterest anything yet? Or not? <laughs> no, do you know what? Instagram, do you know, Instagram is, um, it's not my room 101. It's like an opposite of room 101. It's where I go and it's going to, I suppose it's where my, my sense of humor sits as well. Cause I mean, you've got to be quite professional on, on LinkedIn, although I'm real. Um, I don't hide from discussing, um, delicate, um, situations, including my own. Um, so, um, but you also have to be slightly professional on there to get you. And that's the thing. I mean, I've got such an important message that I need to get out. Um, and I need to, and, and that's why if you like, again, I'm going to mention the education thing. That's why I, I, I took oh, yeah. my education. Eventually I took my education seriously because I knew that was what I needed to do, what it was that I wanted to do in my, as a, the, the reform side of things, but also in my own personal journey as well. And, and, and I've now got something at the end of, to show for it, which is being included in something that I've actually applied for. I've gone through a pro the writing process and I've had a story accepted. Um, that for me, that, that validated everything for me um, and everything that follows now is a bonus, if that makes sense. I mean, there's a few things in, in life, I think, that when we achieve it, we can then look at anything that follows as a bonus. Um, and, and that can be a daily thing. It could be a weekly thing. It could be a monthly thing. So um, it's it's... I, I, I see something the other day. It's not about achieving the goal. It's the, it's who you become in order to try and achieve that goal. That's where the growth is. The growth is in the, the, the juice is in the growth. It was. Um, and I think I like that, that makes sense. It's yeah. It's the size of the dog in the fight, the size of the fight in the dog. I've always liked that one too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and Muhammad Ali don't make the, uh, don't make the days count, count, uh, don't count the days, make the days count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a bunch of them, man. You could go on with all that. Dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. You know, James <laughs> Dean. I'll cast in the white guy's eye the way. Get all philosophical. Look. Philosophical? <laughs> I sound drunk now. 
philosophical. Oh, I can't no. even say the word. Do you know, that reminds no, no, me, I, I, do you know, what, one thing I miss, and I know, again, um, some people will going to be drawn um, down the middle with this guy, but Frank Collotter, I mean, I miss that oh, guy. I, I, I keep trying to catch up with his YouTube stuff. And when he says prescribe instead of subscribe, I love that. Um, Chicago. It, it was Chicago. Dude, I fucking love Frank Collada. I love how real he was about having been an informant. He's like he's like the only motherfucker you see because like the one that gets on my nerves, the guy that gets on my nerves more than anybody, it's not Sammy the Bull like everybody wants it to be. It's fucking Phil Leonetti, dude. Just everything about Phil Leonetti, I'm just like, you're just a crybaby. You're always like, oh, my uncle, my uncle made me do this, my uncle made me do that. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I wouldn't fuck with Phil Leonetti back in his day. He'd fucking put me in a trunk. But, like, I mean, like, just the, like, but when Frank, a lot of stuff the story, it's just, like, up well, front, like, out there. Yeah, for he you, only, you know? And he only wanted to put um, Tony Spilotro in jail for, like, 10 years. Not have, yeah, not, he just didn't want to. He was, he was going to sort of, I mean, at the end of the day, that would have probably saved Tony Spilotro's life, ironically. Um, oh, yeah. Had what had gone, but um, unfortunately, it was too late. But, yeah, he didn't want none of he, that. When he says, like, it, it was sad for me to see him go that way, you know, because, I mean, I grew up the way he grew up, you know. We, we grew up tough. So I was, it was, you know, just like, but, like, it's so monotone and so, like, it's like there's no emotion, but you can definitely tell. But my favorite thing he ever said, because he tells the story a hundred times, but every time he tells it, when he talks about being there for the Eminem murders, when they crushed the guy's head in a vice, which is in Chicago in, like, the early, or late 50s, early 60s, not in Vegas, like the movie casino shows, Frank Lotta always says, he's all like, okay, well, I was involved in this next one, so we're going to talk about it this one time, and then we're not going to mention it again. Like, motherfucker, he made a Martin Scorsese movie depicting it. <laughs> but I always thought it was funny how he just, he really didn't like that was one of his least favorite stories because it was so incriminating to him because he's like, Yeah, you know, I was I was there, you know. I helped put it I know when he just goes, he said, Listen, he said at the end of the day, he said, I'll just tell you the truth. He says, So if you don't <laughs> believe me, just go scratch your ass. <laughs> right. Proper quality. Uh, Proper quality. Who now you this isn't the first time you've been published, right? You do have you do have a, a previous book out that is like sort of like uh half you know it's like historical fiction i guess i call it yeah it, yeah i mean it, yeah I, it was a kind of um and 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 funny enough that's where the inspiration for the story that i've got um in mitzi's next one um coming out which is um uh let me get the i can't even think of the name of it again now look my brain's gone again it's the um well-mannered okay. crooks rogues and criminals um which is book three um and <laughs> it was being involved with Gary Jenkins from Gangland Wire and also National Crime Syndicate. Um, and I love Gary's okay. podcast. I mean, he's got experience himself. He's got what the, um, he was in the um, Kansas City Intelligence Police, uh, or yeah. Intelligence yep. Division um, for a number of years um, and, yeah. worked <laughs> on, and worked <laughs> on Vegas. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, he's had some fantastic guests on his show, including me. <laughs> um, but he's, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's had some fantastic, but one of them, and it never comes to fruition. We were doing something, um, about a, a, a robbery that took place in London back in, um, uh, September 1980, um, by two members of the Chicago outfit. And for me, um, there was, there was unanswered questions because we didn't get to, me and Gary didn't get to finish it. It left a lot of unanswered questions for me. And I thought, well, what happened? What 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 drove two um thieves, 
within the Chicago outfit to fly all the way to London um, to steal something. It, it just seemed as if it went, they went to extremes when um, obviously belonging to, yeah, belonging, belonging to the Chicago outfit. There's, there's going to be yeah, scores out. Really there's going to be scores closer to home. Um, and the thing yeah, is, as well, that. Now, you like you remember like, the Donnie Brasco story, right? With like Lefty Rosario and how like indebted he was from gambling. Yeah. They were like, I mean, like, let's say you're two Chicago Alpha guys and you're jammed up, you know, the, the Vig's running with every fucking person, you know, in the street. Because, like, a lot, of th- a lot of times I feel like sometimes we forget that just because somebody becomes a made guy doesn't mean they're not a degenerate or like that they were like you know really good with their money like a lot of these guys are really really bad at handling finances they just well, gamblers a lot of them aren't they i mean john Gotti lost a lot of his money because of gambling didn't he three hundred thousand dollars was the most he ever spent on a single hand of dice he used to bet the line every single night but that's what i'm but saying then, and in chicago when that it seems like they kind of like they banish you a little more it seems it seems like in new york even when they say like you're banished somebody will still fuck with you there's so many people mm. there's five boroughs there's families there's but like in Chicago, within the outfit, when they're like, no, nobody helped them, nobody give them money, no, they can't do a sport, no, I can, you know, because Chicago is real tight knit. At least from everything I've looked up, I'm like, they really did kind of have a firm grip on their clues and shit. Where it's like, no, you don't, you don't jump unless we say jump, you know. And this ain't New York. Mm. <laughs> like, well, as you know, I mean, I think just, it's the um, De- Detroit partnership that's got the lowest number of informers that, have, that, that turned, and then I think. Yeah. Chicago outfit are quite clear. I mean, they've had some big names switch, didn't they, in Chicago? Um, what was his um, uh, Frank Calabrese Jr., didn't he? Flipped. Uh, yeah. And then yep. the Calabrese yep. flipped. So, I mean, there have, some, there have been some big names in regards to flipping, but not as many as some of the other families. Yeah, no, New York holds that down without the shadow of a doubt. It's what gets me with with rats as well. I know it's a, it's a subject that sort of uh, again splits people down the middle. But again, from from a uh, I I sometimes wonder why people are really shocked because everyone was snitching on everyone, um, whether yeah. or not it was it was <laughs> someone snitching on someone in respect of so they can take over the territory without having a war. Yeah. They just get the police yeah. involved or they plant drugs somewhere. It just yeah. and and the treachery that went on. It's like, and then all of a sudden, someone snitches, and like everyone's shocked. It's like, yeah. come on, man! Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like I the same situation with the drugs. Yeah, the drugs. Yeah, winking and yeah, that. it's it, all of the all of the all of that that goes on as well behind the drugs. I mean, we discussed it last time. It's just too much. It was too, the, the deals were too big. The money was too plentiful for them to have turned their. There back is no drugs. veto Corleone. They're never no, they, they no, of course not. No, no. they obviously I done it for the not public, but for the media and for the FBI. They they wanted the FBI, the bosses, definitely, because it was the only way they could distance themselves. Because I knew that they couldn't stay out of yeah. the business. So the only way yeah. that they could distance themselves is is give out that kind of edict that anyone gets caught dealing drugs, you're dead. But yeah. who, how many how many did die over being caught dealing drugs? I mean, I bet there wasn't many. Because yeah. it was a good earner, yeah. they were yeah. earning good money. Well, at that until he got older, and like with like the Gotti regime and Anil Delacroix and all that, towards like the end of Carlo's life, it was really bad. And I'm not saying Carlo didn't swing dope. I mean, he just kind of flip flopped on it. He got off the boat. He came off the boat, fucking selling heroin. But the second well, it's Rico, like, you know, wouldn't it? I mean, Rico, not not so much the drug law. It's Rico. Once once Rico yeah. come in, and you had conspiracy to deal drugs and the and the and the sentences they were getting for drugs. 
I mean, the bosses yeah, were going to distance themselves. It makes sense for them to turn around and say, no, anyone caught dealing. And that's distancing themselves. But every boss did get caught. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they all had their hands in the till, or should I say the pizza? <laughs> they all had a slice I, of the pizza. I really don't think Gambino was in. I don't think Gambino was in on the French connection. I don't think he – I think he, I, I think that's why he backed Galante getting clipped as much as he did. Gambino didn't need it, man. Once he got that garment district, like – that like that's why like because I love the Gambino family and like they are the most publicly known and it's the easiest to look up. But but like the more you decipher into them, the more you realize why they're so fucking famous. Besides the fact that they had like three very affluent flaunty, not flaunty because Carla wasn't flaunty, but like well known, well to do bosses. You know they mm. just had the lineup, but also just because somehow they sifted their way into like the like the big big earners, like they, yeah, like JFK. You know, a joke to Carlo. Like he, he could laugh off loads coming out. Yeah, okay. crews like Dottie's coming. They needed those fucking loads. But like for like the people sitting at the top, everything was a joke to them. Really, mm-hmm. <laughs> or not a joke. That's not, I don't mean to say it like it's a joke. But like, but they like Carlo was always so willing to like compromise. You know what I mean? Like he'd be like, no, we need to let the Columbos take a couple loads. And Paul got worse about it. But like Carlo would, you know, he. I mean, he would share whatever territory he had, and that was really really smart on his part because. He didn't need drugs at that point, you know, mm. like, and up until he yeah. got old. And I think you know, soft, like he really did follow through with the If you deal, you die in his family. Like I said, by the time Gotti and his crew are getting pinched up and Emilio Della Cruz is kind of, you know, going to bat for them. Like Carlos old, he's, he's slipping. He's on his way out. He's not, I mean, he was never like super, super ferocious to begin with. But I think like, you know, Emilio Della Cruz being like, no, then, you know, Gotti's like a son to me, blah, blah, blah. That sort of hit Carlo fucking in his old age. Like, oh, you know. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, but, but like, yeah, all the rest of it, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Col- I mean, Colombo was definitely in on it. Fucking Persico loved dealing drugs. Uh, I, I didn't, I mean, never mind. I was going to say, I didn't think Rizzuto was that heavy into it, but that's Montreal. Forget about it. They're fucking running more smack than anybody, bro. Yeah, it's, I mean, it just, I, I mean, as I say, I mean, Rico done, I think, more um, in respect of that. Um, and, oh yeah, and as I yeah. Say, the sentences they were offered, and of course, when they started offering immunity as well. Um, I mean, you look at some yeah, of like the crimes Paul, that Frank Collotta and he got total immunity for, it, and that's why he's able to talk about it. And you think, wow, you got immunity for all of that. But I suppose that was the only way that they were gonna, they were going to ever catch anybody. But then, I mean, yeah. Collotta was doing it to save his life. He weren't doing it. Um, to to keep out of prison was he? He was doing it to save his life yeah. because yep. um, Tony uh, uh, um, uh, Spilotro put the blame on him, hadn't he? Uh, what was going yeah, wrong in Vegas? He said, correct. "Listen, it was down to them guys, but it was it was all down to Spilotro and his brother. Was it Michael? His brother Michael? Yeah, yeah, Michael Spilotro, <laughs> Tony Spilotro. Michael Spilotro was actually like a part time. And it's funny you mentioned the book he as well because I, I love um, I love Chicago. I, I actually um, I I. I saw that uh, Chucky Nicoletti uh, had a brother called Philip, and Philip wasn't in the life. So the the if you like the fiction side, come from Philip Nicoletti, which then it was his son, which therefore become the nephew of Chucky Nicoletti, and that was how I was able to combine um, non-fiction with fiction. But then I, I also yeah. used, I brought it to England and I used my kind of experience of prison. There was a lot of prison scene in there, a um, couple of chapters in prison. And I used my own experiences of prison um, for different characters. So 
um it was quite um yeah it was quite a, it was quite a challenge as well i only had a short time to to read uh, to write it it was there was a breakdown in communications and, and the publication hasn't come out right but um there's a few like it needs a bit of editing um well but, uh, what's it called again Drop the uh, title a father's, so yeah, a, uh, a father's son it is I, i'm not sure if it's still on amazon um one minute's up there then it's not but um it is what it is at the end of the day i mean um it, it it's still something i'm proud of i mean i'm proud of the story um as i say and it could do with a bit of an edit um but i mean <laughs> even from back way. then Look, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, from back then, it, it, it's, it's. Um, I suppose every author and every writer is going to have something they're not um, that happy with. So, um, right. I, I, with hindsight, yeah, with hindsight, I would have done things differently. But then, that's that's the the, the um, power of hindsight, isn't it? It allows you to look back and yeah. and and do things differently. And as I say, I have this time. I mean, it's. And it's and it's it was it was last time someone approached me and it was just a, it was more of a rush thing really and it, it, but this time it was just I applied and as I say I sent the story and so it really did mean more the fact that um, and it was someone I didn't know whereas this was through a friend um, whenever yeah. it's for a friend things go wrong and in, in business don't know you should never do business oh, with a friend. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. As I say, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It is what it is. Um, and, um, the book's there. So I've still got something to show for it as well. So, um, I'm not sort of complaining along those. I'm not really complaining about it. As I say, it's just one of no, those No, no, I just drop it just because, you know, people like, you never know if fucking, you get a handful of this and somebody might go look it up and pop that book and fucking you get your five cents. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, it's hard graft, man. It's hard graft. Trying to get books out and trying to get stuff out. It's, it's hard graft. And you've got these these agents and there's there's so many you have to sift through now. Um, uh-huh. And they all want paying. I mean, if they're that good, why do they need paying? <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's uh-huh. like, hold on a minute. It's like, you're telling me you know this person, you need that person. Why do you need $900,000 to tell me that um, you know these people? It's like, now I know them because you told me their names. I'll go and speak to them myself, Hank. Yeah. It's just... No, it's it just I don't understand it. And, and, it, and there's so many things that and, and they don't tell you till the end. It's like you get these submissions and oh, send your poetry here, send your short story here. And then you get through at the end. It's like, um, right now you've got to do this. And now you've got to do it. It's like $50 or $75. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's like, why don't you tell me right yeah. at the start? It just and, and yeah. for me, it's yeah. that tricky trying to trick you into it. that makes me think you're trying to trick me into something. Why don't you tell me this up front? It's just, yeah, oh, so yeah. it's quite hard out there, isn't it? And, I mean, you know that's yourself, why, Ian. Yeah, that's why I'm content with, like, at least, like, my sister's almost done with law school, so she'll be a lawyer, and she's very well-versed in English. She, she was, like, a professional student for a big chunk of her life. Shout out to my sister, Emily. She fucking, she's a shit. She knows she is. But, yeah, she's going to be my lawyer, my editor, and pretty much shift through all that shit for me because I already know I'm going to have to pay to put the Columbine book out. It just It's just going to be what it is. I don't mm. care. <laughs> it's going to hit shelves. Even if I gotta come out of pocket for the first stretch, like I ain't trying to live off right. You know, I got I got a job. You know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to get like my stories out there, and hopefully, eventually, we'll just you know some other. I'd, 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 nice. I'm hoping um, that Mitzi is going to be publishing more because I'd love to work with Mitzi again. And I mean, that's not I'm not just saying that because like, I was promoting her earlier, but um, it's just absolutely wonderful to work for um, or work Mitzi, with, whatever. But um. Just it's just nice and easy, complete. 
um, like uh, when we was going through the editing of the story, the 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 process was clear. What she wanted me to do was clear, and it was just it was. I think it was about two or three emails, and the story was finished. It was done. It was final right. draft, and I mean, um, and that was a lot to do with the way that Mitzi gave me the feedback, and it was also the way to do with. Um, the way she explained what needed to change. I mean, it was just perfect, absolutely perfect. And I put a lot of work into it, and I think that shows, and, and people will hopefully will see that. I've really, it's something I've researched to the nth degree, um, right down to what people were wearing and, and kind of things like that, because um, I wanted it to be one of the best things I've done. Do you know what I mean? It was um, yeah, it was an opportunity yeah, to get that window, that shop window. So I wanted to make sure that that um, I, I produced the best. And and for me, the research side of it, that's just where the gems are. That's where the fun is. Um, that's uh, one, one, like piece. Like it's, uh, I, I got it down to like, a, I, I'm going to take you back to Tuesday, April 20th, 1999, outside of Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole, that's the whole purpose, like, of, you know. So it's, I, it's actually, the I, wow I, moments you yeah. get when, when you yeah. follow links and yeah. you find a, yeah. and you, you, you get another keyword and you type the keyword and you get a whole list come up and you're like, oh my God. And then you just find something, it's like, yes. It's just, ah, yeah. oh, it, it's just, it's a wonderful experience researching. It's and it's, it, within the the writing process, um, the the research is is my favourite part because, as I say, it's once you've done the research, it's then that's when the work starts. <laughs> yeah, you got to put it all together, yeah. and then you start to sweat it, it, and get it, it out there. Uh, it just kind of flows for me depending on what uh like what I'm trying to write. If it's like somebody, uh, I mean, I guess when it comes to like gangsters. If it's somebody I'm I'm super intrigued by, you know, like a Gambino or you know a Gotti or a Carmine Perfect or something like that, I get real. I, I go into that whole Hunter S. Thompson like Gonzo feel like I try to like take you. The same with like when I describe like uh, the the Castellano hit or you know whenever I whenever I write about one of like the infamous hits, you know, like I really try to take you there. But sometimes there are some guys to where they just you know like uh, a lot of the DeMeo crew. I'm I, I'm not really trying to give you a big old you know dossier of you know they they, they were serial killers they were all pieces of shit here you go you know mm. or like a mad sam Stefano. you know like uh, i got a real penchant for rapist and i'm not a, i'm not a big fan it's just not something that uh sits right with me so anytime like I, I come across one of these wise guys or whatever and it turns out that like they are indeed you know a rapist with some of them like a serial rapist like i instantly am all like oh well you know you know <laughs> like it instantly turned me off of tommy d from goodfellas like but that's right. why I still always like Jimmy Burke. You know what I mean? Because like Jimmy Burke, he was just a killer. He would just kill you. You know, he went and, he went out there trying to wake your wife and shit like that. You know, so. Mm. But nonetheless, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for you, man. This uh, this sounds like a really good project. I know how good your writing is just from messaging you back and forth, fucking endless hours. You know, throughout the course of us running groups together on Facebook and doing different things on Twitter. So I, I definitely know you've earned. Well, that's, how, that's how, that's how it all sort of built up really. It was, as I say, with Rob, unfortunately Rob's not here tonight, but I'm sure we'll um, all three of us catch up soon. Um, but it was with Rob and, and then through the national crime scene, it's just, you just got to put yourself out there. And, and the more you do something, the better you get. And it's just that you've got to, um, it's, it's feedback. That's what you need. You need feedback. And, and I mean, your friends are going to tell you everything. It's wonderful. So you need, 
you need someone that's going to be um, honest with you and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. <laughs> it's like, nah, that sounds crap. Get rid of it. <laughs> I would like the time and, of you group because when I would post online shit, people would tear into me and it was that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to, um, uh, as I say, I mean, it, it's, 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 and, and just organized crime in a way. I mean, I think organized crime in itself is such an interesting subject. Um, and it's got so many different variables attached to it. Um, that it, it's just, it, it's, you, you, I mean, you, you can, you can even like, well, people do. They they play around with it all the time, and and kind of, yeah. and again going going back to Frank Collotta, where he would I, I see an interview where he's talking about the film Casino and that the certain scenes where they'd actually happened, and he told them certain stories, and said, yeah, we want to we want to use that. We're going to put it in this part of the film. We're going to put it in that part of the film. Um, and it was like, yeah, it's like um, so they kind of switch things around, and you think. How much of that goes on? So, how much over the years has sort of have we been? And uh, uh, and if you're going to inform, you're gonna you're gonna want to give the FBI some decent information, whether or not that information is true or not, <laughs> is another matter. But you're going to want to, yeah, exactly. You're going to, there's going to be some truth behind it, but um, you are going to give the lead that you told them that got them. Nowhere you're going to be like, look, that's what the streets were telling me. If it ended up different than that, I don't know. That's what I heard. You know, I'm just as shocked as you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. But when you when yeah, you read the FBI files, it's like on some of these people, you just think, my God, you you just you're all cutting each other's throats out there. And it's like, I'm not surprised because it's quite a treacherous industry, and and like oh, stitching yeah. people up is part and parcel of the game. And and talking of Carlo Gambino, I mean, as much as um, he's not one of my favourites. It doesn't mean to say I don't respect him for who he was as a boss of that Gambino family. I mean, he grew it into the family he did. Um, and what, $500 million a year business. I mean, that income, I mean, that was huge. And especially after uh, Appalachian. Hey, I said it right. Yeah. Um, especially after Appalachian, that uh, with the FBI apparently and allegedly um, now uh, on the backs of the mafia, how he was able to to um, grow that family. And, and now any family, the, the Genovese family, they grew um, after 50, they all grew. I mean, the, yeah. the, um, it's as if, if you look back, it's as if there was um, certain points, like you start off with prohibition um, and it yeah. gave the, the or, or if you like, the disorganized criminals to become organized. And, and it grew through that. And then you had the Great Depression and the mafia grew through that. And then it's like you, you, you look into closer World time with it. Well, exactly, World War II, and then you, which is, is, is really when the drugs were, were lit. I mean, they were coming over in oh, tons yeah. at that stage. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's why they wanted control of the docks as well, because they controlled the docks. They were controlling the customs, surely. So, um, and it was easy to get in. But um, you also had... Um, You've got certain other situations, and then you look sort of 
closer to time now and it's like the the concrete contracts and the unions and um everything else it's like that's online got poker. to be that's got to be like yeah i mean that's got well no I mean, was it something uh, in the 80s there was not one building that was built that wasn't built with mafia concrete in, yeah, in New 2%, York, two percent went to uh, went to each, uh, five, each of the five. Yeah, and even Trump yeah, Towers or something had, would have had concrete. Yep. But then, yep. the thing is that that I mean, how can stuff like that go on under the noses of politicians and under the noses of the FBI, um, unless there was some form of collaboration? There must have been something going on. Um, it was oh, it all, and I think it was the, like the real fear of violence back then. Like and today, everybody's on film. So it's always like, yeah, do something and like, I'll film you doing it with my phone. And even if I got to take the L right then, you're going to prison forever because like I can prove you did it. Like back in the day, mm. it really used to be like fucking hear no evil, see no evil, you know, depending where you were. If you're in Hell's Kitchen and you got beef with Jimmy Keenan and he shoots you in the fucking chest and it's broad daylight outside the, you know, the five, uh, 579 club or whatever it was, nobody, even though 20 people saw it, is saying a fucking thing. People today, they do like that. That whole like code of the silence, code of the street. Code of, people aren't. I mean, they're still just as terrified of the police. I, I mean, I guess like I mean, you can look at what's happening over here and see that. Mm. But they're, they're also more prone to, I guess, just run their fucking mouths. Really, <laughs> in all reality, that's all it is. But like, I mean, people back in the day, they were fucking worried about whether or not the kids were gonna eat. They were fucking. They weren't here legally. They know the heat was about to get shot. They didn't give a shit about thugs mm. arguing in an alley. Somebody gets killed, you know. No, hundred percent, brother. Yeah, but then so, I mean, that's we all have a perspective on life, don't we? And I think that's what makes life interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you look at like the Bath Ave era, like with like Jimmy Colangelo, who I really would like to get on here at some point, and uh, John Paul you know, all those guys. Those guys, like, they, that was actually a really short lived run. You know what I mean? You, like, you're not talking any real snakes in my time, what, mid 80s to mid 90s? And then they're all either in, in prison, flipping on each other, dead, fucking, you know, none of them, I don't think any of them ever became made. I, I mean, maybe Joe Chelsea go down the road or whatever, but like, but yeah, I mean, look how short lived that crew was as opposed to like the DeMeo crew who killed and dismembered 200 people over the course of the 10, 15 year stretch that, you know, Roy ran his crew or like, you know, the Gotti crew or the, you know, like crews seem to be so like short lived anymore. It's just like, I mean, and that's just with all of organized crime is like, you know, even like outlaw bikers, street gangs, like anything like there's no real like motherfuckers don't sit on the throne for very long before the feds come and they're like, all right, you know, you guys are done. That was a good round. Next. There's the next up. For real. It's, it's all just slapping a, a hundred year sentence on yourself. Whether or not you become a maid. I don't even know what being a made man means anymore. I mean, I'm sure it still means something. I still don't want to piss off a made guy. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I'm not <laughs> calling made guys out of their name, but they don't hold the same weight that it did in, you know, 1977 or 1950. Or, you know, it just- but that, I think that's the same. I think that's the same all over. And I, I, I've seen it in prisons. And it's like I was watching a, um, a few prison documentaries yesterday. And you just, um, there's a few uh, female officers that got hurt. Uh, in a man's prison, one of them actually wrote a letter of an apology, and it was she. She didn't get. Um, he didn't assault her. She got injured in a situation. It was like they were trying to bend him up, uh, and in them situations, I think prisoners only see uniform. They don't see 
uh, male or female. So yeah, in those situations, yeah. you can kind of understand how, but there's a lot of like shitting up where people pour urine and uh, and feces out of a pot onto female officers. I mean, what's that about? That that was kind of something that never went on. Um, and it, I, 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 it's hard to know where it comes from because I think they're, they're, they're not some – over here, anyway, obviously not in America. I can only talk about our criminal justice system in respect of a, a sort of lived experience. But um, it, it, it just seems to have – the respect has gone, that, that just humanity respect, right? It's prison, but there was still that kind of respect – and the staff have got better over the years. They've got more understanding. Back in the day, they was just as bad as they were in America. They'd get the sticks out in no time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Stanford prison experiment. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. And yeah. and unfortunately, it did hit. But then they got a lot. They, things changed. It got better. And and yet the res, the the kind of discipline where that kind of discipline slipped a bit. The, the the disrespect has slipped in instead, and it's um, quite sad to it's see. Like really, feels like they're special. No, it's really sad because everybody feels like because they're having a bad day or because they're anxiety. See, that's why I hate that like, we overuse. Like, I, I'm all about you know talking about mental health and like it does need to be addressed more. You know, amongst people in general, and then especially amongst men. But like sometimes people need to chill the fuck out with something. They're like, oh no, my anxiety is just acting out. Bar like I'm not, like I've seen people have legit panic attacks. Like. Sometimes you, you, some of these people just want fucking attention. You know what I mean? And like, it seems like everybody wants this 15 minutes. Hence why I'm doing a fucking podcast. So I can't even imagine, you know, people in like the, like somebody like the posse says, I'm like, yeah, he's going to fucking do stupid shit, like pull his dick out to female officers and stuff. Cause he's just, I don't know, he's just a big crybaby. He, I don't know, didn't get enough hugs and wasn't told he was special enough or whatever. Like, people back in the day, it seemed like they used to be like, yeah, my life's shit, or like, yeah, like, I'm all fucked up in my own head, but like, that's my fucking problem. Like, except people who were, like, real far, there's always been the people who needed to be put into the chair and have the spit bag put on them in prison, you know what I mean? Like, mm. that, that person will forever exist, but it seems like it's more common, like, today, because everybody just wants their 15 minutes. Like, every, everybody wants, like, and instant gratification. I was actually going to make the joke that uh, my, my country did two of the worst things that the world's ever seen in the first one isn't what you think it's going to be. If you're going to be like, oh, the atom bomb? No. McDonald's is the number one. Adam bomb hmm. in the second, but I mean, the, the drafting is not going to stop. But no, the instant gratification, man. The fact that, like, <laughs> like I'm sitting at a window, and my food's taking a little longer than three to five minutes, and I'm starting to get antsy about it. Like, what the fuck is that about? Like, you used to have to hunt your food, skin it, salt it, cook it, fucking... Make sure the rest didn't go bad. Make sure like it didn't go bad during the process. And yet, I'm aggravated when my burger takes longer than ten minutes. And I, <laughs> I think that's a big problem. Like of like what you're talking about and stuff like that. Like, but I don't know if that's like I don't know if it's like that over there too, to where people just want instant gratification. But between like cell phones, drive throughs fucking DoorDash, fucking I don't, just everything. Social media is great, but it's also not because it's definitely made everybody a narcissist. It used to have to be kind of like wired a little wrong to be a narcissist, but mm. every time I'd post a picture, like, you know, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm doubling back every 30 minutes to see how many more people have liked it or, you know, like, <laughs> like I, yeah, I that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where. Um, your wife or, or your, your, you would get a new pair of shoes and 
or a new hairdo and you'd be happy if five people told you it looked nice. Nowadays, people ain't happy unless 10,000 people have told them it looks nice. And you're right, it's that instant gratification. And funny enough, it's one of the books that I used um, in respect of my sort of myself and, and, and sort of trying to deal with myself was a book about delayed gratification by a guy called Walter Michelle, The Marshmallow Test, um, which is where they, 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 it was done in the 50s, I believe, and then they went back to it in the 70s. And they re- they went over the research and found that the children back then who would um, they chose whatever it was. There was a like um, probably uh, four or five different choices of sweet, and they could choose whatever sweet they want in the room. The sweets left on their choice of sweet is left on the table. The person leaves, but they get told if they wait an unspecified amount of time they can have double the amount of sweets that's on the table. but Or they can just grab it, like ring the bell and grab it now. And they found yeah, that the yeah. kids that had delayed gratification were the ones that work in, in the top jobs. They were the ones that had successful relationships, successful businesses, um, big house, nice car. And the ones that were, were grabbing instant gratification were the ones that were um, on drugs, were the ones that were homeless, the ones that were in prison. And the, they, they've been like going over it and going over it because the research that it really did shock them how much the, the sort of um, percentage, I think it was quite a high percentage as well. So it really was, and it's called the Marshmallow Test by Walter Michel, um, M-I-S-C-H-E-L. Awesome book, absolutely awesome book. But it does make you aware. I mean, it's, I, I call it like the, it's people more happy to make two pound now than wait a couple of weeks and get two thousand pound um and i think that's that's the delay gratification side of it and and that's been quite important in my life moving forward as i sort of built my new life after being released from prison so um it's very important i think you guys getting we're all getting all um psychological again yeah no i love it i love it like yeah, I mean that's I mean that's really true. Like a lot of people will like take take them out. So, you know, I'll tell you right now. That's why like gambling's always been such a a big thing. That's why drugs will forever win the war. We can stop that war. Put the money into education and try to make people smarter before they get into drugs. Because drugs are gonna win. They win ten out of ten times. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. they find their way here. They find their way into people. Like people like doing drugs. It's just it is what it is. Same with people like drinking. The only thing I wish the government would do is ever try prohibition again, because I do feel kind of shafted besides the fact of being able to bathe regularly and like, you know, I mean, like the, the, the overall like health is better these days than it was during mm-hmm. the Great Depression and fucking the prohibition. But God, if they ever tried to make a uh, hoochie legal again, it would just, it'd be a dream come true for me, David. I, <laughs> I, I mean, for real, that's why I made two bit hoods millionaires overnight you ever try to break down drugs like you better hope well exactly who knows yeah i mean who who knows what's going to happen next it's like i was saying you had the, the concrete and there's the unions there's and the the fbi kind of taking their eye off the ball what the russians again and so there's a chance that organized crime can grow once again in america and you've got endolangator as well from italy they're they're spreading their tentacles and no doubt are, are in quite a few areas in america because they're still business um, the business is the business is not just not so many. 
And it's digital now. A lot of it's gone online, isn't it? You've got a lot of online stuff now. That's where the money's in. They do a lot of the people that it's all like, you know, hot single moms within your area. Sometimes those are real and it's an excellent service. And, you know, they got their hands in that. Olive oil is their number one bread and butter, actually. That's what makes them the most money in this day and age is the olive oil. They sell out their loan starting. Don't get it twisted. You can still... There's a gentleman in Bensonhurst that would be more than willing to give you five thousand dollars with nothing down, no no collateral except you and the person. <laughs> the mafia will never go away. Organized crime will never go away. Um, no, the, the, the world's built on corruption. The world needs the mafia as much as world need government. <laughs> um, yeah, they do. They do. And it, it, I think it, it's it's been that way for um, for for millennia. It's it's always been that way. Um, whenever you look back at history, there's always been organized crime. Yeah. I mean, define organized crime. We mean you could chat about doing something, pulling off a job. Is that organized crime? We're planning. Is that organized crime? Um, yeah, I, but I yeah, I mean, where they finally separated to where you actually like have infiltrated businesses and 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 like that's funny because that like that makes me feel like some people don't get uh the the proper sort of notification that they do because like a lot of people uh they they, they talk about the mob as if they're showing genius and they're the only ones who have done they don't and don't get me wrong they're the only ones who have infiltrated like the mafia got too big the government just needed to cut them down in yeah. cut them down in size yeah. that's what happened i mean look yeah, I mean, we all know we know that like mafia got jfk into power jfk didn't have a chance yep. um when he was when he was um when he became president and mafia put him in there and unfortunately, I believe that the mafia took him back out again, um, thanks to yeah, his brother turning his back on the mafia. Yeah. I mean, their, their dad was a rum runner, wasn't he? The Kennedy, uh, the Kennedy Senior was a rum, a rum runner. So they built their money on the back of bootlegging, in a way, on the back of it, prohibition. <laughs> and then as soon as they get into power, it's like, you know what, actually? We don't need you anymore. See you later. And you can't do that. You can't do that to anyone in business. But if you're going to do it to someone uh, that's involved in organized crime, uh, family, so you, you're going to face trouble. It's as simple as that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think they'll ever reach the, the, that type of peak again to where they can, they would play, nah. you know, an extravagant part in a presidential assassination. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, I don't know. Never again. I think that was the peak. That that if you look back in time, I think you got you can really sort of that was when things really started to collapse. Um, I mean, not not after Appalachian. I mean, Appalachian was a joke. I, I I still don't believe we know what we know about Appalachian yet, but hopefully one day we will. Hopefully, I'll be the person to find it. <laughs> I had so too because like I I kind of fall into the category of. Truth is stranger than fiction, and as stupid and choppy as it sounds every time, because it never sounds right to me either. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's probably exactly how it fucking happened. Man. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't know. I, I hope there's more to it for you, most definitely. But I don't know. As, as Alfred Hitchcock said, sometimes I think a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah, of course. The truth is stranger than fiction. Meeting, you know, but, but it, it's, that's why it's, the Kennedy thing doesn't. Yeah, it's the build up to it that um, what took place the year before and. And and if you like the 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 hatred between the Sicilians and uh, Neapolitans, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of that involved. But who knows? Who knows? I could be totally wrong. But at the end of the day, it's something. It, it's my holy grail. Um, no, I, I hope it's I hope it's there for you. Yeah, 
But some of the stories, the side stories that I've read on the back of it have been incredible. And I've had a great time researching it. And I'll, and I'll continue to have a great time researching it. And it, it's something that, if you like, um, if it isn't there, oh, well, I'm, I'm, it doesn't take my life over. It's something I drop into every now and again. I've obviously got the links that I need for it that are on my... You um, know what I wish I could find like that? Sorry, I wish I could find. Uh, I said, you know what I wish I could find kind of in like a conspiracy theory story? Because it let me down so much when I was told that like it turned out he wasn't. I want to find one, and I mean just one, mob-related hit via Roy DeMeo that Richard Kuklinski actually did the work on. Because when I first started like sifting into organized crime back when I was in like high school, I'm like a sophomore in high school, and I came across the Iceman Chronicles. Oh, yeah. man, there was, dude, no, nobody told a story like that. They were like, how do you feel about money? I don't. I don't feel anything about it. Just everything about him. Like when he's like, I pulled up to uh, the stoplight and uh, the light turned red and I cocked a shotgun and pulled the, pulled the trigger and he never saw the green light. Just those little like quips, you know, those little like, those just those weird little things that he says that like, even if he wasn't not related, I do know that he's killed people. You, like, mm. you can just, you know, like you don't just up and get convicted by a New Jersey task force for not having a couple bodies under your belt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. But, like, also, like, he's been denounced so much. And, and then him and Robert Prongay, too. But, it's, like, I just don't know how there'd be that big a, that big a fuck-up, I guess. Uh, mm. You know, sifted into organized, like, organized crime. You know, I, and it's just, I don't know, it's just one of those strange, strange things for me. Same way with, uh, with the whole, I always find it fascinating. What's up? Look. Look at Whitey Bulger's story. I mean, that's that's an incredible yeah. story, and it's on it. I mean, yeah. if you told you could you could write that as a story, and and someone would think it was nonfiction that didn't know organized yeah. crime or didn't know what went on in Boston. That that they I mean, that down just, for a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, if like it, if it, it wasn't like, a real story, you'd be like, this is too much. This is too far fetched. Nobody's gonna yeah. believe this. Do you know? Did you did you years ago? Um, there's there's a story about Mount Everest and they measured Mount Everest for the first time or they had the technology to do something to measure it and it came out at 29,000 feet bang on. So what they did was they added 12 feet on the end of it and said it was 29,012 feet because they didn't believe, they didn't think that people would believe that it was 29,000 feet dead on. <laughs> there's, a, there's a useless bit of information. <laughs> Yeah, I need to see. 